Good morning, everybody. Get myself together here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 24. I want to start there. It's a, review, a little bit of a review. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, and I've got to get there. That, that was so good, Kurt. Um, the thief saying, remember me. Like, excellent. That's so true. And um, I was focusing on this, uh, looking at this word, remember, that is used in the communion service, those communion scriptures, the scriptures that refer to that. And Jesus saying, remember me, when uh, he served that first communion. <clears throat> when you do this, remember me, is the instruction. And um, in, uh, when I was in Brazil, there was a word in Portuguese, uh, saudades, and it was... Uh, it, we don't have a, a good American word for it, but it's, it's remembering, saudades is I remember you with feelings. Like it's, a, it's an emotional remember. I have fond memories of you. So I would look at that and it's like, you know, and I, I, was, I would think of that in that context when Jesus says, remember me. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, but, but there's, there's gotta be more. And, and uh, as I've meditated on that and read things and just revelation coming, it's like this remembering has to do with remember who I am, remember what I am, remember what you're celebrating. And then we have this instruction. I'll, I'll begin um, here in um, verse 26. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story. This is a passion translation, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. So it is a it's more than just a sacrament that you do without any thought, but We've been talking about doing communion, do it with faith. We do it every, every week, which is unusual and great. We had revelation a long time ago to do that. We recognized how many movements started with that group taking communion, communion the Brownsville Revival. We remember, what was his name? Uh, Dick, Rubin. Dick Rubin taught on communion and down there, it was at Pensacola, correct? Yes, and they, they took communion. That was when things really broke out. Same testimony comes out of uh, one of the leaders from the upper room in Dallas, Texas, that at the point that they are doing a 40-day communion fast, taking communion for 40 days as a ministry, as a group, praying, worshiping the way they do their, their prayer, their house of prayer and their church and all that, that that goes on there. So many things come out of. And this song, Surrounded, came out several years ago. And uh, his testimony is that song was written in the midst of a 40-day communion fast when they were taking communion daily and, um, and worshiping the Lord. And out comes this song. What's the, what's the word? One of the leaders asked the, one of the lead singers, what's the word on your heart? Just sing it. And out comes this word surrounded. She begins to sing spontaneously. And then, of course, a song is birthed out of it. So many things happen in this. And then Lou Engle is called this, uh, this uh, communion revival that uh, we're, we made a crazy decision. It kind of feels crazy anyways. It was kind of a like, yeah, you read about it, it's like, that'd be neat. And Lou is such a gregarious guy to start movements and just has an anointing for that, the call and all of those things that he did. And so then I don't know what led to it. All of a sudden, we were, dang we're dangerous when we start talking together at times. And next thing I know, we're like, we should go to this. We, we, can, we can do this, you know. And um, so we're going to go. 
And um, it is a one day, six hours, uh, technically six to five or 11 to five on a Saturday on uh, October 8th. And it's for this sole purpose to take communion under America's mountain, Pikes Peak, that Lou called it. And he's calling people from all around. He's hoping that every state will be represented. I'm sure that they will. That we will, that we will take communion, that we will call, start, just call for this revival. And we keep getting the words about this million soul harvest or billion soul harvest. Like it's, let it be as big as it possibly can be. I'm, I'm all in. I want to see it. We, we're hunger for the real move of God. Like we're laboring, we strive, we plow, we, you know. And, uh, but there's something yet coming. When I had a season of really experiencing the Holy Spirit very strongly, I, I, would, ha I would reach for the coffee cup or to just some silly thing in the house, and boom, it would hit again almost daily like this. And they just something wasn't thinking about anything, just like, hey, where's the coffee? That kind of thing. You know that feeling. And it's like, and the spirit would fall, and, and it would just be so strong. I was always apologizing for it because it's like, I know what it's like to be around people that are really under the spirit. And it's kind of like being around a drunk person. It's like, like not that fun, you know. And I'm like, I can't help this. It's just powerful. And I would lay on their living room floor. Very, very unnatural for me. And sometimes just feel... I mean, we love to worship when choose to worship, but there were moments when I felt pulled to my knees to worship. I would come home from doing whatever I was doing that day and come down to the living room or our downstairs and just feel pulled to my knees to worship. That was the most amazing experience. That was just so great. And in this, I, this, this wave, these waves come and I have this amazing, like overwhelming sensation. I can't feel it because we were watching the weather patterns a lot that year for whatever reason. And I think this, I forget what season we were even in, but always saw on the radar that our weather would kind of come from the Texas area and come up through the United States right across us. Often that pattern would come right at us. I had this overwhelming sense, something's coming, something really big is coming. I had no more words than that. But I was groaning and groaning in the spirit. There's a, there's a wave, like a weather, something as big as a weather system. Now that's big, right? Unstoppable, right? When that front hits, it can be violent. Even if it's a little storm, when the front hits, wow, things rock and roll. We have 20 or more oak trees in our front yard. And when they start bending and twisting, it's like, whoa, it's windy. out. You know, this is a wind. This is a strong wind. And it was like that coming. So this communion is, is, to, is to really proclaim an anoint, this anointing coming, this thing. And, and what Lou had, and if you read, listen to any of his stuff lately about this, he is declaring a revival that ha truly has Jesus as the focal point, the center. And I was talking to Kevin Pontius it, that's out sick today, but it's like, I, we were like, that would be different because it seems like the, the revivals all get centered around something else or a person or this or that. And I was like, that would be different. That is truly about Jesus, the, his finished work. Like, can you imagine a message, like an explosion of this awareness that way beyond church walls? 
We're believing for that. Like we labor, we build, we do. It's, it's all good. But don't you, don't you go, there's got to be something more. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the power. And when you start, it's okay to dream as long as it's in the spirit. It's towards heaven, okay? Be a dreamer. Imagine. Imagine, and Lou talks about this. He has dreams where he sees in homes where they start taking community, communion, there's an explosion of light in the homes. Boom, boom, boom. And when that's all through the city, there are these explosions of light. And uh, many of us have been taking communion more than just on Sunday. We don't do it every day, but we do it as often as possible. And, and Lou's like, I'm just new to this. Like, I didn't realize how many people were doing this. Like, I'm just new to it. And he's all excited. And you start hitting on the communion table. And, and I, I'll refer to this book by Benny Johnson, um, the, communion, uh, uh, pow- the Power of Communion. And how many people, when they're really desperate for healing, they're really serious about getting close to God, like there's a need, they start taking communion every day and sometimes three times a day. And it's like, you know, we all, when we have an ache and pain, where do we go first? The, you know, the medicine cabinet, grab the ibuprofen or something like that, which can get you in trouble eventually, even those, okay? I had a bleeding ulcer this year caused by too much of that stuff. So I have a fresh, like, yeah, whoa, don't do that anymore, Rick, stop. It's our go-to. What if the communion table in your home became the go-to? And I've gotten so serious about this that even if, I forget a busyness hits in the morning, early in the morning, and I'm out and I get back to the house. I just like, you know, and Phyllis said the other day, she goes, hey, we forgot communion. I didn't. <laughs> I came back later and I'm like, oh, I didn't take communion. I'm going to sit myself down. That's the hardest thing to do sometimes, isn't it? Sit your little self down and took communion again. Took communion. And, and, and every time I'm hitting on it, like I would take pills, like take stuff, like this is for the healing I need. This is for the strength I need. This is for the anointing. This is, this is for breakthrough. And we keep doing it because when you let your imagination go just a little bit backed up by Scripture, the power that's in the blood is amazing. And I think we're way under the bar. And I'm hungry and desperate for it to get to manifest. Aren't you? That will be the end of us cease striving. And Jessica was sharing with, you know, with me earlier before the service, like trying to get another sister to come, you know. It's like, it's like no, uh, no, I don't do church. You don't want me to walk in there, you know, that thing. That they just cannot stay away because there's something happened where, when we gather together, whether it's in church, whether it's at home, whether it's whatever, that when we gather That's really what's supposed to be going on, folks. That should be normal because of the nature of what we're tapping into. We're tapping into the power of a resurrected life, an indestructible seed, as Scripture says, right? Jesus, the indestructible seed. That seed comes in indestructible. And so we want to latch on as much as we can in many ways. And and the early church was warned. They're like, he goes on, he says, let each individual first evaluate his own attitude and only, when, only then eat the bread and drink the cup for continually eating and drinking with a wrong spirit will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognizing the body. So coming up in the Baptist church, 
what I've came from. It was kind of like this warning, you know, make sure you're in sin and make sure you're on the church membership and you're like, yeah, yeah, just stuff, you know. It's like, that's good. I never would want to be like taking communion when I'm willingly in sin and practicing sin. Of course, don't do that. That's stupid. Like, you wouldn't do that. But also, when you just take communion and don't consider what you're about to partake of. You're about to partake of resurrection life and the symbols of resurrection life. And that you are remembering his power. That you're remembering all that's contained in this finished work. All, and I went through Psalms 103 and it's like, hey, isn't it true? Aren't these the needs of our life? The need for forgiveness so we can get rid of that guilt and shame. The need for healing, wholeness, body, soul, spirit. The need for redemption in relationships. The need for a breakthrough in our finances and for the curses to be broken and stopped. All, all of that, those are our, we got the needs. And we go to many other sources to get those needs met. But what if when we come, we go first First to the communion table, first to this place of calling out to the Lord and fellowshipping with him. And the strangest, um, (laughs) any of you that have grandchildren, you have have stories, yeah. And people told me when I finally, when I was going to have, our first grandchild was going to be born, just have two. And uh, you wait till you, it com- he comes, you know. So he's born, and it was like there was a lot of like difficulty in the beginning of the, you know, his born. And Ashley was uptight, and it just wasn't going well. One of those things. And I'm like, all I know is that I miss my daughter. You know, this new thing that cries a lot and isn't, you know, that I don't know about that yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not feeling any warm fuzzy feelings. Yeah, he's cute. He's, he's wow, he's rough. You know. Ashley was feeling the same way. He said that about his baby sister when she came. Hey, Mom, could you send, send her back? Take her back to the hospital. Yeah, take her back. But in time, as happens, he grew into my heart. And oh, my gosh. He, um, by his, tapped into something, a love that I didn't know I even had. To the point where I would gasp, I began to have fear about something happened to him. I'd gasp at moments of having these flashes of, so I had to deal with that, man. I had to learn how to pray and deal with that fear that came. And it was out of how much I you know, loved him. We're really close and Papa this and Papa that. And, you know, so everything. And then he became four. Gradually he became four. There's times when, you know, we're close. There's times when we're the opposite of close. He's like, you know, don't bother me. The other day I was down at their house doing some things uh, on the house and outside or whatever. And he gets in his, uh, his great imagination and he gets deeply into his whatever, wherever he's pretending to do and be. And it's, I think it's healthy, but boy, he goes deep. Yeah, he's in it and he's in it deep. And, uh, He's, there was an excavator working at the house next door, and he's given them orders. And, you know, if President Trump's looking for someone to help him administrate, like, I'm like, he wants to control something. Yeah. He wants to be in charge. I would have to give these lectures to Ashley when she was little. I'm the, I'm the adult. Why? I have to remind, I'd have to remind myself, I'm the adult. You're the child. I'm the adult. You're the child. 
I don't know if I was telling her or telling me, but we had to, you know, keep that straight. She got to a point where she just wanted to be, you know. And he's talking to me, and he's on the steps, and he's in this thing, and I, I stopped to, you know, just kind of connect with him a little bit. And I, I, I'm trying to follow his crazy story wherever he's at, whatever world he's in. And I, I'm finally like, wow, I don't know about that. Uh, Jay, Jace, how about, how, about a, how about a hug? And he gets this look of pain in his face, and he's standing at the front door on the little porch, and he backs up. like I just could tell that pained him to think about giving me a hug right now or being a, like, oh. And I went, maybe later. He's like, yeah, like, you know, I didn't want to get too far out of his world. Like, yeah, later. So I've gone through a couple of things like that. It's like, wow, what happened to this little boy that just loved Papa, you know? And, um, and then it comes back a day or two earlier. He was kissing me as we were playing a video game. Now, can you imagine me playing video game with, yeah, I don't, yeah. Any of you that grew up with me, I, like, I don't do that. Or you kids that grew up here in the kids, young adults. By the way, Brady and Maria did a wedding yesterday. It was amazing. I was so proud of them. So I just, the greatest joy I have is when my sons and daughters are, do things and they do really, I'm like, wow, that, that feels better than me doing it. Like, it's just such a reward. They hit it out of the ballpark, both of them. Great story of redemption in that, in that wedding. That was amazing. Great job. So had to, had to comment. What's that? <laughs> Great teacher. Yeah. Sometimes by default, but yeah, yeah. Kitchen table stuff, huh? The best. Covenant. He taught on covenant. It's so good. I'm thinking about this thing. I've had a couple moments where I'm like, wow, this hurts. Like, what happened to our close relationship? And uh, then it's back, then he's trying to kiss me and, you know, whatever. So all of a sudden, I, I get this revelation, and I see myself, and I went, oh, my gosh, because I'm in the midst of something real intense right now. How often when something's going on, you, it's intense, it hits a, a, a drama, a thing, it happens. We like to avoid them as much as possible, but try as you will, they'll come to your house. They'll come to your life. And when that happens, do you not find yourself in this world where you're explaining and you're, you're, you've got this rhetoric going on in your mind and you should be praying, but you're, you're trying to work it out and what happened and why that happened and why this happened, where did this come from, what did I do wrong, what did I, you know, how did this, you're just trying to work it out. And if it's intense enough, you're into it pretty deep. And in those moments, the Lord approaches you, how about a hug? We're like, oh. <laughs> you know, or your wife says, why don't you pray? You know, this is the same difference. <laughs> I, I, I'm not feeling that clo like closeness right now. I've got to conquer this little world I'm in. Like, how often is the Lord also, we even know scripturally, he has emotions. He's not as flippant about them as we are, but Israel would reject him to the point, imagine, believing God has feelings, they burn him pretty bad quite a few times. 
in their rejections. And he helped them, deliver them, save them, lead them, instruct them, promise them, da-da-da-da-da. And in time, they turn right about around and do the same thing. At that point with our kids, we're like, okay, you're out. Your bed's going to be in the front yard by the end of the day. You know, you're not living here anymore. And, and, and we, we push him off. We don't make time. And we miss one day getting close to the Lord, and then we miss two days, and then we miss a week, and then we... And it, it's more than just whether you come to church or not. It's this... It, because honestly, folks, this is everyday life. Communing with the Lord. Connecting with Jesus. Being in fellowship with Him as much as you can. Forget the excuses. I don't care if you work or you do whatever. There are ways to stay connected because you're thinking about something. Your mind is somewhere. Your heart is somewhere. And if you want to keep fresh and keep dealing with problems and get to the real root of the problems because it may be in you. Just maybe. Matter of fact, I always, I, as quickly as I can, I go, Lord, what's going on here that that bothered me so bad, that that affected me so bad, that that shook me so bad? You think you're doing well till someone rejects you or write something bad about you on Facebook. It doesn't take a whole lot. We're, we're fired up like, hey, 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 what's that? And it, it reveals we're not rooted as firmly in him and in relationship with him as we should be. And communion, of course, represents that. And, and he says, some of you are sick and even dying because you're not coming to the Lord's table in the right way. It's like, yeah, because you are sick and you're not, there's provision here to not be sick. There's provision for you, your life to be saved when you have a disease, not, not die when you have a disease. There's, there's something to tap into, and oh, what will it look like as every day we increase in our tenacity to go after this communion with him and celebrate this because we have, the, I love images, I love visual. It's good for me to do an action. Not religious actions, but an action. I hear something from the Spirit. If there's something I can do, it helps me lock that in. Back when we began to get words about this building, I, it was there was a, it was a hope and a prayer. I didn't even have a hope and a prayer. Like how we can't we couldn't get out of that tent we were in. And I'm like, wow, we're working hard at this, but I, we're not we're not moving forward. We're way we're, we can't even afford to buy blueprints, let alone you know build any building. And we get this word after having some tent meetings out in the front, like, you know, prophetic meetings that we had. We had four of them, I think. And at the end of one of those, we got a word that we would have, there would be a building sitting back here on this hill. And the next day, all I knew to do, it was all I had. Because all of my plans and whatever for building funds, they all went, you know. The Lord's just like, no, that's not how it's going to happen. Great idea, Rick. You know, it's like Abraham. Hey, I've got an idea. <laughs> We're still dealing with that great idea, aren't we? I walked back here. I had some used four-by-fours, and I put up three crosses on this hill and put rocks around them. And just, it was all I could do. There's going to be a building here. I set a stone. I guess it's like a lot of the Old Testament guys. They build altars. Like, why'd you do that? To remember. To remember what the Lord did. I'd sit out here, I'd drive out in my truck or tractor, whatever I was doing, <clears throat> see those crosses. I'm like, Whew. I remember what we got. I don't know how it's ever going to happen. 
I've repaired this tent about as many times as you possibly can. Like any day now, 11 years. And it's all about remembering, remembering who we are. And, and so in, it's like some of you died and are sick because why? Because you're not realizing what you're taking. You're not realizing the power. And you just start just, I've been uh, imagining, like, what's it going to feel like when the Lord touches an area of my life that needs to go? Like, I'm imagining it happening. Like, boom, shazam, like. All of a sudden, it's going to click in, this thing I'm praying for. All of a sudden, I'm going to, I'm, and I'm dreaming, allowing myself to dream about the moment. That's okay, isn't it? We dream about everything else. Believing at the right moment in God's time. It's coming. Psalm 78. Long chapter in Psalms that goes into all kinds of things about Israel following the Lord and gets to verse 7 in this way Psalm 78 verse 7 in this way every generation will have a living faith in the laws of life and will never forget the faithful ways of God and so there's this going over and over remember remember don't forget talk to your children tell your children Phyllis has been spearheads us uh, doing Passover, remembering the feasts. The, 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 there are the feasts of the Lord. We don't do them religiously. We do them, and we, we try to, to, to tap into the spiritual significance of the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles. And we, we, we do this thing, and I'm like, oh, not again. And here we are already this year. You know, I'm, I'm like the whatever. But I put up the chupa and the shupa and the, all those things, and we keep moving forward. We have Passover. Why? We do it. Not as Jewish people, we do it as Gentiles, taking, taking, honoring the Passover because we too remember what the Lord did for the children of Israel. And we tap into that by remembering. We don't want to forget. And it's, we do this Passover meal and we remember it's a great time and it's a great time of fellowship because every time we eat together, it's a form of covenant, Yeah. Don't forget, in verse 10, they didn't really believe the promises of God. They refused to trust him and move forward in faith. They forgot this wonderful, his wonderful works and the miracles of the past, even their exodus from Egypt, the epic miracle of, of his might. This is in verse 12 now. They forgot the glories of his power at the place of passing over. So, we don't want to forget. The more you can remember what the Lord has done, the more that you can remember what he, how he has blessed you, keep it fresh in your mind how he delivered you last time. And tell that story to your children. You're like, oh, Dad, I heard that before. Like, no, I'm telling you. It was the Lord that made a way when we had no way. It was the Lord that led us and kept us. Because without him, we, we know he's our, we trust in him. And so you reiterate these things and reiterate these stories. And you remember, remembering is so, so important. I was, um, this book by Benny Johnson, who has passed away, and Lou Engle picked up, asked her, will you pray over me so I can carry on this mantle of communion? And so she did just a month or two before she, before she died. It was an amazing story. And so 
I think I had the book once, but I couldn't find it, so I just, whatever, I'll just get it again. I really recommend the book, full of testimonies of people just taking communion and getting, getting healed, getting breakthrough. So it's, it's very encouraging, not difficult. And um, she lays out, and this is stuff you may know, probably know, but I, it blessed me to go back through it. What is covenant? What does this stuff mean? And uh, the, the, word, the Hebrew word for covenant is bereth, and I probably can't pronounce that, but it's B-E-R-I-Y-T-H. How do you pronounce something like that? And uh, it means to cut or to eat. Within the expression, cutting a covenant itself is the graphic depiction of how a covenant was made. When two of in individuals were cutting a covenant, the ritual included taking a sacrificial animal and dividing the animal into, two pe into pieces. The two parties would then walk through the scattered carcass, swearing an oath of allegiance in the midst of a path of blood. Now, again, weird. Remember reading that the first time in the Bible? Like, strange. I mean, even when I get a teaching on it, I'm like, still strange. We butcher a cow, and we're going to walk through the bloody part. Like, um, wow. This is real stuff. Go, maybe they're symbolic, you know, it was symbolic. Like, no, they, they really did it. It really had significance. And you realize in our American culture, boy, we got, we got to get a grip on this. We think we know everything. We don't know that much. And it's so it's good. That's why it's so important. We fellowship and we keep learning. We, you know, listen to teachings. We, because understanding is wonderful. It's delicious. Getting revelation, getting understanding. It goes deep, and it'll go as deep as we, we want it. We'll continue to learn about this. The two parties would then walk through the scattered carcasses, swearing an oath of allegiance in the midst of a path of blood. Essentially, the two parties were making a public declaration that it would be pr preferable to be like the dismembered animal beneath their feet than to break this promise. Like, see this dead animal that we're walking through? That could be you if you, you know, it could be me if I break this covenant, and it could be you if you come against us. Because if you're my enemy, you're my partner's enemy now too. And tribes and different, and different cultures, they honor this. They go, oh, we made covenant with them, so your enemies are my enemies. You got problems? I'll come and help you fight your enemies. Now, that's pretty serious, isn't it? It's not just, hey, I'll keep you from starving, but your enemies are my enemies. We're, we're in this. This is a blood covenant. Each blood covenant was a promise of connection, protection, and provision. <laughs> it kind of covers it, doesn't it? Connection, protection, and provision. So you want to be in covenant with the Lord, and he's keeping both sides, so it's a deal you don't want to pass up. You just have to believe and walk with him. Like a marriage covenant where two people are joined into one, the blood covenant created a bond that superseded all of the realities. And this was done through the shedding of blood, a public expression that involved the most intimate aspect of life. The blood flowing through our veins, blood carries and sustains life. Each blood covenant offered a promise that would enhance life, but it came with a potential cost of life. So 
it goes on in the next uh, section here. Unless you're dealing with health issues or you get injured, your blood is probably not something you think very often often about. It's like, yeah, I'm good. But our blood is miraculous in all that it accomplishes for our bodies. It truly is the river of life. Blood has three main functions to provide. Unbelievers have the hardest time understanding Jesus having to shed his blood for us. They just, like a true unbeliever, they're just like, no, that's stupid. I, I don't get it. And then when you try to explain it to them, you go, I'm stupid. I'm not sure I get it either. I just believe it, you know? Have you ever had, run into that? It's like, uh, I can't help you out. I, I believe, but I, it's, you know, nothing. It truly is the river of life. Blood has three main functions to provide life, health, and protection. Your blood does this for your body. Life, health, and protection. The red blood cells transport oxygen from the lungs to every part, area of the body. They also disperse disperse nutrients and vitamins to the exact parts of the body where they are needed. Our body's very own Amazon Prime. That's what Benny, Benny wrote. Okay, about that. The white blood cells, along with lymphocytes, help to build the body's entire immune system. So when you stop, pause, you kind of heard this, but think about it. Your body is designed to have its own protection system, its own security system, and it's very amazing. Don't mess with it. Each cell within the blood has a job to do, helping the body to strengthen itself and fight foreign invaders that could make us sick. Do you understand if we would just get healthy, your body is amazing to fight off all kinds of stuff. Just, just be in health. Take care of this thing. It's an amazing, it's like your car, magnificent, unless you stop taking care of it. Stop changing the oil, don't change the air filter, and, and keep driving. Eventually, it's a great car, but it doesn't run worth anything. Why? Because it's not taken care of. Each cell has a a job to do, helping the body strengthen and fight foreign invaders that can make us sick. I mean, I hear health people talk about this, like, your body's amazing. It'll even fight some of the stuff we're so afraid of. It'll it'll karate chop. If if your immune system is up and running the way it's supposed to be, it's amazing. Some cells build up the immune system. Others help the immune system to know exactly what invaders to target. There are certain cells that remember an invasive organism so that the immune system can respond quicker the next time it encounters that same organism. There are other cells that keep the immune system under control so that it doesn't start attacking the good cells within our bodies. That's a problem, isn't it? Like getting transplant, organ transplants. What's the biggest problem of that? They've got the technology to stick it in there and hook it up. How in God's name, I don't know. I build things. There are things that are more challenging than others to build, but putting a, or, or, you know, taking an organ out, putting a new organ in and getting that, you know, fixed so that it, the connection stage can't use a nail gun, you know, I mean. So, but what's the greatest danger of all? They got the technology is keeping the body from rejecting the new organ because it doesn't belong there. It's you're, you're a stranger, you know. We've got to get rid of you. 
What a glorious army that God, God created within us, sustaining and protecting our bodies with this complex combination of blood cells. We can get the chance to study, and she goes on. And then the next section, she goes, in the ancient world, a promise that included blood was distinguished as a covenant. It was unlike any other promise you could make. Merriam-Webster defines covenant as a usual a usually formal, solemn, and binding agreement, a written agreement or promise usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. Blood was a crucial part of that contract. By shedding blood, the covenant was an intimate profession of a long, lifelong promise. A man named H.C. Clay Trumbull's fascinating, uh, his book, The Blood Covenant, he deals biblical he details biblical covenants, but he also examines the tradition throughout the world. One example he finds is that the Karen people in Burma, while retelling this account, he explains that the Karens had three levels of truce-making between tribes in the region. The first and weakest was eating a meal together, which simply signified that there would be peace, peace for a moment, for the moment. So that can get you through a squabble, Okay. If the tribes wanted to symbolize a stronger truce, they would plant a tree together. With this truce, peace would exist between the two tribes as long as the tree remained alive. But it was the third kind, the blood covenant, where the true power of the promise was found. Trumbull explains, in this covenant, the chief stands at the rep as the representative of the tribe. The ceremonies are public and solemn. Blood is drawn from the thigh of each of the covenanting parties and mingled together. Then each dips his finger into the blood and applies it to his lips. The covenant is of the utmost force. It covers not merely an agreement of peace, of truce, but also a promise of mutual assistance in peace and in war. It also conveys to the covenanting parties mutual tribal site rights. If they are chiefs, the covenant embraces the entire tribe. If one is a private individual, his immediate family and direct descendants are included in the agreement. Life is found in the blood, and by mixing their blood together, the individuals were effectively merging their lives together. So spiritually, when you take communion, you're keeping that renewed. Like, it's not for God. Get this, it's for you. He already knows. But you do it to remember. To keep close so that when he draws near or you need to draw near, you're not like, oh, don't, don't touch me. That's heartbreaking on his part. It's like, I can help. No, 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 no. So it's a job to stay tender before the Lord. It's not easy. It's real easy to get hard. Resentment comes in from any place and ish, things happen. You get tired, you get weary, and all of a sudden, there's distance. It didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but, but the access is broken. Even cultures that have no relationship with Jesus understand the value of covenant and importance of the blood. Trumbull goes on to explain that normally tribes were not permitted to travel across one another's territory. It's our no trespassing signs. We, yeah, we have that. We have that custom here, too. To prevent this, they created a kind of organic no trespassing sign by tying long grasses together across a trail. 
On reaching such a signal, the usual inquiry in the traveling party is, who is in covenant, blood covenant with this tribe? If one is found, even among the lowest servants, his covenant covers the party. The promise between two individuals, no matter what their rank, would cover the entirety of their community and give them safe passage through a foreign land. One covenant would cover and re-identify an entire people group, allowing for their survival. This is an old sheep farming tradition called lamb grafting. If a ewe, mother sheep, loses her baby to sickness or another tragedy... She will refuse another orphaned lamb despite her plaintive cries after her lamb's death. Her baby has a specific scent, and she will reject any baby that's not her own. The farmer, however, can take the skin of her dead baby lamb, drape it over the back of the hungry orphan, covering the old smell with a familiar scent. The ewe, thinking that she is smelling her own baby, will accept the orphaned lamb, and the baby will survive. Covenants are a covering for those involved, and no one has made greater covenants with his people throughout history than our God. And when you put on Christ, you smell like him. So your ability to draw near, it's not about you. So... If you're sheepish about that, don't be. Put on Christ. Sheepish, no pun intended. In this sober moment, yeah. Crack and accidental joke. But truly, this is a big step in getting to where you're not approaching the Lord out of your own, I deserve to be here. Or when, when Benny Johnson died, because that's a fresh subject, it threw some people off, like, oh, my gosh. Bill Johnson and Benny, Benny Johnson died, and she, they believe in healing and take healing all around the world, and she died like, who am I? It's like, don't go there. That's actually illegal. You just compared yourself, and that's a mystery between them and God, but you have every right to approach just like they did. There's not a difference. Just because someone's popular or famous we're, we're so celebrity-oriented in our culture. We, we got a bad case of it. This is why the fear of man is such a big deal for us, to get rid of it, to get delivered from it. It affects us really badly. And it affects us with our relationship with the Lord because if we, you know, if you're a singer, if you don't have albums, if you're a speaker and you don't have podcasts that are all over the place, and if you're a pastor or a minister and your, your church isn't big or your ministry is not big, like everything, first question someone asks when they meet you, how big's your church? <laughs> Why do we do that to each other? Because we're, subconsciously we're feeling like, are you authentic? Like, if you have this amount, you're the real deal. If you've gotten, and you're like, hmm, you're a wannabe, you know? I don't know. What do we do with each other? It's bad. Whatever we do to them, they do, you know, we have the same thing on us. And yet to get to this place where we started singing this song, I am your beloved, by the Helsers, like, great, it catches me up every time. Like I, yeah, like it's getting to me. I'm not even that emotional these days, you know. And yet I sing that song and in the words, and they're like, draw me in. They draw me in. We need to apply what we said and agree with that we know. 
or we're just religious. We've got to take all this and it's got to hit the road or it's not real. It's like Goodyear tires, Firestone tires. You know what they do with those tires after they make and design a new tire? They put it to the test. Over in Columbiana, there's a big research. Is this still going on, the Firestone tire? I don't know who knows that. but And they would put tires, like tractor tires, on a big tri- tractor and hook it up to a, I don't know, it's like a horse going around in circles. They just get it so they just, it just goes for days and days and days and days to test those tires. How are they holding up in this situation? They test the tires. Anybody can make something that looks like a tire. I could make a tire. No, not really, but, but it's got to be tested, doesn't it? It doesn't matter how you, everybody can write a great article about, you know, description of this detail, but has it been tested? And our faith needs tested in that way. It needs, it doesn't really become real. It's just an idea until it hits the test. This is why the Lord doesn't prevent you from, from those try those things, because what you believe, it's, it's got to be authenticated. It does. It's got to be real. Is this real? Or are you just saying a lot of good words? And last, last week, I debated whether to get into this or not, but it, my gosh, it's such a great illustration. I can't resist that um, <clears throat> I'd found out um, <clears throat> at the end of... <laughs> It was last Sunday morning. That's, that's why it was so crazy. On Sunday morning, I deposited a check into my online banking. You know, it was sitting on my desk. Like, how do you clear a check that's been written to you off your desk? Deposit it and put it in the envelope where, you know, mobile deposits, you know, that thing. And I did that, which caused me to look, and I see the balance on my checking. I was like, whoa, it's down significantly. Like, and I look and the last transactions, transactions out of my check, three in a row, boom, 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 were pretty big high-dollar e-transfers that I did not approve. Like, whoa. Then I looked, and I'd had three of those on Tuesday and didn't catch it. And then I looked a little deeper, and I had three of those on the Thursday before. Bam, bam, bam. They're all e-transfers and a bunch of letters and whatever. But someone, and all you need to do that, this is scary, is the routing number and the account number that's on the bottom of your check. And then somebody that has the ability to sneak in an authorization and automatic withdrawal. A call for help. The fraud center, you know, I'm like looking, searching for a number to call, like, stop the shit, you know, whatever. And uh, <clears throat> I make the call. They're like, okay, we put a block on, we did this, did that. You're going to have to go to the bank Monday morning. So it's kind of a shock, like, whoa, how did this happen? Like, go to the bank uh, Monday morning, talk to, have a t- uh, teller, a consultant that's really good, uh, kind and good. And we start researching. It's like, wow, this is weird. Like, we didn't know where did it come from. Did you give out your stuff? It's like, no, of course not. Like, I, <laughs> kidding. Like, I very seldom give out my account number and you know. But I said to her, I said, but you know, all that information is right on every check. She goes, yeah, that's why I quit using checks a long time ago. She goes, I saw this problem a long time ago. So it's like, okay, well, any you know, who knows? You know, 
What do you use checks for? I mean, I, I don't know. Be careful. Give it to people that you trust. It's, no, there it is. New account, new whatever. I'm like, oh, wow, there's no other way to deal with this. And account numbers. And she says, I don't think we have to get into this part of it and this part of it. They just seem to have gotten those two numbers. And so, and we just didn't know. By Wednesday afternoon, got hit again on the new account. Only bigger amount, faster, four in a row, bam, bam, bam. I call, it's four o'clock. The bank's closing at four o'clock. I get this girl on the phone. She's like, okay, I see. I'm, we're walking out the door. I said, I know. Thank you for answering the phone. You know, um, because it's pending. I was like, $3,800. It's pending, but it, it, we, can't do, we can't do anything about it till it hits. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, she's like, so just come in, you know, tomorrow morning. You know, like, Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll be there. I'm like, oh, that's unsettling. I hang up the phone. Luckily, one of the other tellers, the one that actually heard her talking and, and saw what was going on because she was familiar with the situation, she blocked that. So put a block on it, talked to somebody. So when I went in the next morning, she goes, yeah, I, heard, I told her to tell you I was working on it, you know, but she hung up. Like, yeah, oh, whatever. Thank you for taking care of this. You know, thank you for doing that. And I'd also called on, I missed practice. We couldn't have practice because I'm stuck on the phone with the um, fraud center, um, the call, you know, call center for the bank. Get to some people. They're really good. And he says, You're, they, they must have your online banking information. Now you start to shake. Oh, my God. They've got your username, and they've got your password. That's the only way they could track all this, to track it that quickly and hit on the new account. Okay. He's like, you're going to have to. Him and another woman were talking to me, and they're like, are you going to tell him, or am I going to tell him? You know, He's like, everything's got to go and start over. <clears throat> oh, wow. You know, not fun. Go into the bank, get the same girl. We begin to talk. She's, she's like, what? I said, yeah. And I hold up my phone like this. I said, we've got to deal with this. My online account, you know, my online stuff. She goes, yeah. And uh, so we start over. She goes, I got to tell you, this was probably the hardest part of this whole thing. Who I talked to last night, this was two, whoever her superior was, this is two in a row. You get another one of these, we're going to have to dump you as a client. I'm like, yeah, you're high risk. This is Rick on Bethesda Road, like, you know. And I, I just stayed, I was able to just, I just stayed calm. I'm like, whatever you think's best. Because honestly, I didn't know if they were just going to cut me a check and say, leave the building, we're going to call, you know. I just didn't know where it was going. I said, I don't know, you know, we had no idea how this happened. Now we really don't know how it happened. And I said, whatever, whatever you feel. So she must have had some authority, you know, to just, when she goes on, she starts, because, well, we start over and uh, gets me a new account. We start changing my online stuff. And we didn't know yet what happened other than this guy's last night told me that, and the night before. And she goes, your phone number is such and such. I went, 
no. What? And I said, she goes, how about your email? Is it Skylines? You know, in the end, Skyline. No. And then all of a sudden she sees that a suspicious caller had called in on uh, back in the beginning of December, August 31 or whatever, that couldn't verify that it was me. <laughs> of course they couldn't because it wasn't me. They were logged in a couple suspicious calls. It was in the, from the call center. It was there. Like, I could see a relief come over her face. It's like, ah, here, there's, there is a person, a hacker, you know? It's not you. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. She begins to research, begins to look, and so they had inserted their phone number, their email into my, but didn't affect me functioning. That's what's crazy. And on that same Monday, I had, had to make these uh, plane reservations, hotel reservations, and all those things. I was putting on, on my credit card, and it's for the bank. And so, boom, 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 that racked that up. There were a lot of expenses. And I, was, I had to do a rental car, and I'm thinking, you know, I've done this a, just a couple times, used my reward points on a card that I used to have to pay for the rental car. And that was pretty cool. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I, do I have something? And I'm like, no, I don't. And I'm like, yeah. Right on the front of my credit card from the bank is rewards, you know? It's like it's a rewards, you know, voice card. Like. And I said, I finally humbled myself enough that I've got an issue asking for help. You know, that's not easy. It's that man thing maybe? I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I don't even know how to access this because I try to look at it in my online. I can't get to the rewards. Like, where, where are the rewards? Well, that's a third party that handles your rewards. All it handles your stuff. She goes, oh, yeah, you've got to go to another website and then find da-da-da. She goes, let me look it up for you. And she goes, oh, my gosh, you've got more reward points than I've ever seen anybody have. It's like, well, duh, yeah, probably, if that was actually working, because a long time ago they sold me that card. Hey, you'll get $200 worth of rewards points. But I, it was complicated, and, again, shame on me, too lazy to investigate and find it or ask questions like, how do I get to this silly thing? I just kept going, you know, and at first I didn't use the card very much. Then I got to, because I was getting nervous about using my debit card on putting it all over the world. I'm like, I'm going to start using this card and let it, you know, let that be the first line of protection, whatever. And uh, they calculated up, so you got $1,400 in your rewards that's just yours like yeah you can get your rental car so well, i already booked that but yeah that's good to know you know so on the wednesday I, thursday morning that i come back in did you cash in your rewards it's like no i've been so busy trying to clean up the rest of this mess i didn't get to that i'll get to that so on the other thing that happened on um this has been thursday yeah so we get things changed and i i'm like yeah i'll get to that it was thursday morning and i go thursday night um Thursday night, I can't sleep. I fall asleep, and I wake back up, 12.30. It's like, that's not very long, you know? And I'm wide awake, and I have this thought, did the bank try to warn me about this? Now, I'm not very good about following my email and stuff. Again, don't do that. And there's all these promotions and stuff, and my daughter said, Dad, you can get rid of that stuff. Just click on it, no promotions, just get to the... I'm like, yeah, it'd help if I, when I opened and saw, you know, Huntington Bank thing, that I would know exactly. It'd be facts, not promotions, you know, because you learn to just disregard the promotions, right? And so I need to get my stuff cleaned up. And uh, I'm awake, and I'm like, did they say, it's like, yeah, they 
a new device showed up on my, like, if this was you, yeah, you're good. If it wasn't, call us immediately. That was like October, August 31st or September 1. So it was like one, maybe one other thing, just a little thing. And uh, of course, I'm not watching it, so I didn't see it. And then I see, I did a search on all my Huntington emails and brrr, down it came and went to, to September 1st. I see those things. And then I see all these transactions. They wiped out my rewards points with increments. And I'm like, oh boy, these guys are deep. And they just filed it off, boom, 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 $100 increments. Took that all out, gone. And I calculated up, there were 16 transactions. It was $1,375. I went, yep, they, they pretty much got it all. But I had more points because I just made all these purchases recently. So what's funny is when the bank looked at it on Monday of last week, they were still showing all those points. So they didn't even see that they were gone. It's weird. And it gets weirder. Like all of that, it's not the worst. I'm like, oh, I better redeem these last points that are left. There's, you know, they're there. It's another $366. Why not? And I go to put it in my... Uh, you can decide whether it goes to your checking or whether it goes on the statement. And I'm like, I go to put it on my, in my I was like, oh, I need to pay this off anyways. I'll just put it towards my statement. So I click that little button, statement. There's no number with it. It's like, it's my statement, right? And I'm like, they're like, are you sure you're going to do this transaction? It's kind of final, like this is it. You can't get it back. I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm going to cash this in and put it on. Hit the little button, takes it. This is early on Friday morning, like 7 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock, and uh, automatic, a, a receipt comes up. It's like, success, your reward points have been transferred, and then I see the account number, just the last four numbers, not me. I'm sitting there at my desk. Wish I had a picture of myself. I'm like, oh, my God. I just sent another $366 to the same people that have been robbed. Like, how stupid can you get? And just like, I don't, what am I? Wow. So I walked back into the bank because I was going to go anyways. I had to take Phyllis because we had to do paperwork. And I'm like, hey, can I talk to you? You know? (laughs) They had embedded their account number in my I looked at her and I said, whoever this is, they're good. She went, yep. I said, this is, this is pretty high tech. I'm dealing with all that. And as I'm studying this covenant, here's the reason for sharing all that. That blood covenant that you're in with Jesus, that one, He shed his blood. His blood's the blood we walk through when we make covenant with him. I'm not angry at this person. I just, like, I just want my money back, okay? I'm I'm not, it's causing me more personal struggle than it is that I'm angry about it. And hopefully, prayerfully, I'll get it all back. The bank's going to advocate for that. But I had this revelation. I went, oh, my God. They stepped into the blood. They walked through this blood. And my enemies are the Lord's enemies. And all I have to do, Father, 
This is way over me. It's way over my head. And yes, I've made mistakes. I can't, you can't take back mistakes. I was already struggling with that in this process. And then I find out I have this money and there's rewards. It's like, oh, sweet. Like it was a gift from the Lord. Like, see, I even cover your mistakes. Don't worry about it. And then that got robbed. Like it was like a double whammy to see it gone. Like, oh, wow. I was comforted by that for a moment. And then that's gone too. Like, I can't deal with, can you take care of this, this enemy, this fraud for me? And the, and this is where, do you have faith? Can you believe to the extent where you don't even have to be angry about it? Go, um, you stepped in the blood. My money's sanctified. I tithe, and, I, and I'm in covenant with Jesus. So what I have, he's connected to. You just robbed from Jesus. And the greatest vengeance on you is that you're going to encounter him yourself. Like, you're going to become a Christian. This is, it's, it was freaky because on every transaction out of my rewards points was an email address, and I'll only tell you the first part of it. Prayer lover one. On every robbery, <laughs> every transaction out was this, the name on this email. It's like, what? How? That bothered me more than anything. Like, what? What? I don't have an answer for that. I'm just like, Lord, I have to go in peace and trust that I don't get kicked out. I'll be, you know, I won't, I'll be bankless in Hanoverton, you know? Like, <laughs> it must be the next step worse than being, you know, it's, you know, not quite as bad as being homeless and you're bankless. It pretty much shuts you down. Like, come, oh, you know, what do you do with that? Wow. Do we believe? Do we believe in this covenant, this power of covenant or not? Do we believe it will fix our mistakes, that, it, that it's even that powerful? Do we believe that the Lord will go after things that are way over? We can fight and fume. I hear people all the time fussing and fighting and arguing with telemarketers and whatever, it's like that doesn't accomplish anything. They're professionals. They're going to beat you out anyway, so don't, don't even get in the ring. Just go, um, I'm going to send my advocate, me, Jesus. He will fight for me. Do you believe it to the point that you can get peaceful again? I'm telling you, this shook me. Like, it, it shook me. It got deep in me in other areas. Like, it, it kind of like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, The Ghost in the Darkness. Michael Douglas is, you know, this hunter in, in India, and they're building this, this, this uh, bridge. And who's the other guy? Val Kilmer is in it. Yeah. And they're doing this. And these, these two lions come and start ravaging all the workers, killing them. They're killers. And they send for Michael Douglas. He's, you know, he's the, he's the dude. He comes in. And, and then he even gets hit, like, because these, these things outsmart him. And he's the greatest hunter. He goes, just got, I just got hit. I just got, you know. And that, that feeling when you're confident, that very core of you gets, you know. It's not about the loss. It's about something else. Like, and I've struggled with that. Like, it's like, but I'm addressing it. I'm not pretending like it's not there. It's like, well, I gotta get my, I gotta get my stuff back. Like, I, I gotta get my, my heart back. I've gotta get my confidence back. And, and it, it does affect you. 
you get censored from Telegram, you get, you get whatever, or uh, Twitter, or whatever the things happen that happen to all the different patriots that are standing up and fighting for us, they suffer real, lice, real losses. The January, the January 6th prisoners, they lost their lives, they lost everything. There's, some of them are still in jail, still after all this time, not charged with anything in particular. Shakes you. I hear those boys sing uh, um, the, uh, the Star of Spangled Banner every night. There's, it's one of those songs they sing as a group with all their hearts. Wow. They had businesses, wives, children. There's more things going on. And I watch that in, in the political arena and the patriots and different people that are getting persecuted. They're fighting for our rights like the good people. They're you and I. And then this stuff hits, we've got to get to the place where we go, I know, I know who I belong to. I know who I'm in covenant with. And I cannot go down this road. I've got to stand up and believe that he is who he says he is. That his mercy is new every morning. That it doesn't matter even if I've made mistakes, and I probably have. That he will cover those because he's got it all. So pray with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the teachings and the reality, the scriptures, the promises. Father, let us all step deeply in to what we say we believe and act like we have a Savior and not like we're victims to act like we have the deliverer of deliverers and that we follow your spirit with confidence that you will fight for us, that you will deliver us, that you will heal our diseases, that you will forgive our sins, that you will restore our relationships, that you will be the God for us, that you say you are, and that when you want to give us a hug, we will not be so distracted with our chaos that we can't come and hug you back and let you love on us. So, Father, we open up our hearts and we work to keep our hearts open to all that you want to do. And I just thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So tonight, Phyllis, what time?